Welcome to Chalk You Podcast. Uh, today we have a guest um, on our podcast, Paul Antonelli. How's it going? You know, it's another day in truck world and, you know, don't get any better. Good. Awesome. <laughs> so, quick background story. We've known each other for a little bit. You want to tell me a little bit what do you what do you want to do we're gonna have the ac it's outside ac that's fine we have to it's 92 outside know, so yeah. you know that's that's definitely and yeah i mean we've uh kind of same background here you know i mean our 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 pops have known each other for what's got to be 30 years now so yeah. Yeah. kind of second generation in the trucking world you yeah. know between the two of us a little bit different aspects but everything's kind of intersecting now you know you got the shop and i was a mechanic for a long time so yeah. you know just, i didn't know that you were actually wrenching Oh, yeah. Yeah, really? that's your dad. Yeah, he used really? to come down there all the time. Hey, make sure you grease this, do this. Paulie, do this, do that. That's you know, great. yeah. So I, I do a lot of his P. Him and Tommy, he do a lot of their PMs yeah. in the FedEx days and stuff like that. So, yeah, I was down there for from 03 to 13 till we opened up the uh, truck sales. Okay, so, perfect. So yeah. just a quick um, kind of context to set the context. Uh, you want to uh, tell me what do you do, who you're representing here so today? So I am with I-294 Truck Sales. Um, you know, we kind of kicked off in 2013 our parent company or you know co-owner company if you will is all chicago fleet so we've been around since uh, 1995 in the repair industry and kind of what happened is you know we lost a big customer uh big fleet that got bought out by uh, a leasing company kind of pulled all of our work for us and you know hey how do we supplement all this money that we lost with this huge account because it was probably a good you know 40 to 50 percent of the revenue from oh, the wow. shop at that time so Kind of came up with, uh, you know, over the course of the years, we had uh, a Peterbilt used dealership there uh, on our lot. We're frontage road to Interstate 294. So it's, you know, you can't beat the location. We're right next to a huge Volvo dealer, which we're not going to plug them. Yeah, no, no. But, you know, we get, we're getting a lot of uh, traffic in and out because of them. So, you know, it kind of started as a supplemental thing for the income we lost. And, you know, since 13, it's grown into it's definitely its own entity and we've done well. And, you know, uh, a couple times have done just as well as the shop. And, you know, we've, in turn brought in new customers to the shop and customers of the shop buy trucks from us so you know it's kind of a one hand washes the other thing and you know that's what it was meant to be and you know that that's actually worked out well for both of us so perfect well i got questions prepped for you and uh i actually jose's not here with us he wanted to be here but um he couldn't make it so uh he sent me some questions i was like hey let's whip whip out some questions for Polly and you know the number one thing is like so so you've said more or less how how long you've been doing uh you know truck sales but uh just to clarify you're selling used trucks yeah yeah only used i mean we'll get somewhat late model at this stage we've sold some 18s and 19s but okay. you know everything has you know miles on 100,000 200,000 miles things of that nature but yeah everything's used you know we're not affiliated with like an OEM at all or anything like that okay and what is your you would say your your expert like what what type of trucks are you specializing in we you know about five years ago we got heavily into the gliders as you know you're yeah. running yeah. several of ours uh, you know yeah. that, that you bought from us but we kind of uh when we started in 13 we were really heavy in the 06 05 07s everything pre-dpf um and we did really well with that so the natural progression was once those trucks were really hard to finance and once they were really hard to find without a million miles and just beat to death you know, we kind of discovered the glider kits. Not discovered yeah. them, we knew about them, yeah. but kind of moved into that direction on the used end. And we were really one of the first dealers nationwide to really yes. concentrate on the used ends of those. And there's still only maybe half dozen 
that'll really kind of push towards those things and stuff like that. So we we kind of wanted to stay into that era, no pun intended, yeah, yeah. Um, of of emissions on the trucks because we did sell Cascadias with DD15s and Volvos with D13s and you know uh, Kenworths with ISXs and some Peterbilts and we really had a wide variety of inventory and we'll still do some stuff. I just had a beautiful. 2015 t660 glider i wish i had a field of them yeah, yeah. phone wouldn't stop ringing but what we noticed on the sales front is you got to be out there every other day starting them you got to regen them once a month you got to get someone to drive them up and down the road if they age at all because that death fluid crystallizes you're constantly fighting check engine lights and this is the you know the age group of 2013 to 2015 year models um, I don't have much experience with the retailing of the newer stuff with the one box, which I, I really would want to probably stay away from. But, you know, what we kind of discovered there is th there was just so many problems with the customers down the road. No matter how much money we put in the truck, no matter how good we looked it over, something was There's going on. Yeah. Because those trucks need to be ran. They need to be driven. They need to go down the highway. They're not good local trucks. They're not good stop-and-go trucks. And they're definitely not good sit on the lot for two or three, four months waiting for the retail trucks. Yeah. So only moved in the gliders that helped, and all of a sudden, wow, we're getting 70% of our business out of state, possibly even more than that, and we're bringing in some different uh, clientele, some higher clientele, because the retail money's higher, and uh, it, it, you know, it's, it seemed to really work out. At this stage of the game, we're kind of getting to a, a cross where we're going to have to start looking at some other stuff, and we don't know if we're going to go 13 to 15, yeah. 13 to 16, or we're going to go 18 to 20 on the used end but you know the glider game has uh you know unfortunately got cut down so so uh, just not to cut you off but I'm, yeah. i got some questions piling up and <laughs> what i'm thinking is uh, so first like so who's buying them right like who, who's the customer base it's all over the map you know so we do have fleets and our capacity lends us to smaller fleets to mid-sized fleets Guys with five, ten trucks, guys up to maybe 40 or 50 trucks that will want to grab four or five at a time. We don't have the capacity to go sell somebody 100 trucks. Um, so I'd say we're probably about a 50-50 split between small and medium fleets to owner-operators. Um, you know, and, and it's kind of all, all over the gamut. Guys with one truck for a lot of first-time buyers, which is a financing challenge. I'm sure we'll get into that yeah, in a little yeah. bit. Um, but, yeah, we, you know, a little, little bit of everybody. So... Um when you're when you're dealing with do you think what i'm trying to uh, find out is like the obviously gliders started becoming more and more popular as the emissions started you know kicking in and and things were were you know it was a lot of issues for fleets and for own operators especially right because fleets can handle issues with their within their fleets if they have spare trucks but if you're an own operator now you have emission problems in 2011 12 13 now all of a sudden you're you know out for two three weeks right so mm -hmm. do you think like the knowledge around um glider kits expanded or people started actually finding out and and do you feel that it like because obviously you cornered a niche market right that you right. went i mean in my opinion it was a very good move for for you know use use truck dealer but do you feel like it's still somewhat there? Do you feel like people are, there's still high demand for glider kits? There are, the demand has changed, um, but there, there's still more of a demand for that than most other specs. I mean, right now, 
you know, the big things, the DD-15 and the Cascadia with the DT-12. A later model, new body style Cascadia, really hard to find, believe it or not, where, you know, at most points, hey, any kind of Cascadia to DD-15 is a dime a dozen. But the new Detroit DD-12, DT-12, you know, trans is a real hot spec, so they're hard to find. But the, as far as the demand for the gliders, it's still there, um, and it's still just as strong as ever. The retail market on them is higher. The wholesale market on them is higher. But you, what we're finding is, and I think you're kind of getting into that a little bit too, you know, medium-sized fleets are going, well, I can buy two trucks for the price of one. That buys me a lot of, you know, emissions problems and things like that. And, it, and it's probably at the end of the day, six of one, half a dozen of the other, and what you're going to spend on maintenance and what you're going to spend on fuel and other things. And I, and I found that the more, the, the more years you go along with this, the, you know, it's action-reaction. There's always a good to a bad, a plus to the minus. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as the gliders roll, you know, outside of finding, uh, you know, some kind of issue with a block or something like that, I mean, you can rebuild this motor for the price of a one box mm-hmm. and, you know, hopefully roll another 800,000 million miles on that motor. Um, so, the, you know, the demand's there, but I think the demand now is shifting more towards smaller fleets, 10 truck fleets, owner operators, first truck, one truck guys that are looking at, wow, you know, I can spend maybe $10,000 a year minus, you know, in maintenance, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, as opposed to, man, a one box goes out, it could cost you twelve dollars or $13,000 yeah. and you're essentially just changing a muffler compared yeah. to a $120 muffler, you know, so, you know, it's. Times are always evolving, you know that. Everything mm-hmm. changes, the demand always changes, the want always changes, but the gliders have seemed to hold their place. Where we're running into new issues is not being able to find as many. Now we have other dealers that have kind of got on that with us, um, and they're just not out there. So a lot of people yeah. are keeping what they have rather than getting rid of them too. Are you seeing any new builds as far as N14s, or you just mentioned you uh, got an ISX yeah, yeah. glider? Tell, <laughs> it's a, that's talk a beautiful to me truck. That. It should have air on the side, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. So Let's yeah, you know, uh, we and, and and funnily enough, you know, we have gotten a lot of requests for people looking for N14 power, mm-hmm. and we've had several. And it's just, I think, what really drives the new builds. Uh, anybody who's getting an M14, it's a custom build, and you're most likely going to get a Cummins Reman, which is just a super great engine. Yeah. But I think for cost, you know, most of Fitzgerald and everybody else, they're using Detroit factory mm-hmm. Remans. The engine's cheaper. It's cheaper to maintain. It's cheaper to maintain for the customer down mm-hmm. the road and things like that. So, um, yeah, I've had several M14s. I've had several uh, ISXs. I have the one ISX mm-hmm. in stock now. We've had 3406 Cats, which fetched a ton and some Coronados and a lot of the Packard stuff. But I think really Detroit controls that market um, because it is the most cost-effective motor. Or is the engine of choice for a lot of builders just because, well, what I'm, you know, availability is one thing, right? Mm-hmm. Maintenance, obviously, uh, uh, parts, how much uh, parts actually cost for those Detroits. That's that's obviously the factor on that everybody's building. But, you know, we've ran to a, a problem with, the now the engine uh, are hard they're hard to find right right to build those gliders but uh is there still the limit there's still the limit right to 200 uh, or 300 Three, well 300 but and like we can't just go build 300 and you know it was predicated on how many you had built yeah so 300 to the cap so the big guys harrison you know fitzgerald's making seven or eight thousand i believe yeah. they can make 300 now yeah, uh, and Harrison was making a few thousand. They can make three hundred. But the smaller guys, and that's why you're not seeing as many Freightliner factory gliders out there. Because if this dealer made twenty five or fifty a year, well, now they can make ten. Yeah. 
And you're finding that with the OEM manufacturers. Packar, I believe, has stopped providing chassis for gliders because when they can provide, you know, a 2000 T660s, 2000 389s, you know, okay, it's worth still rolling them off with a little bit of a gutted uh, interior, a different wiring harness. But when Fitzgerald, who made three different Peterbilts, three different Kenworths, a couple different Freightliners, when they when they limit all those down to 300 trucks, you know what are they actually making? Yeah. So, um, Packar kind of said, "Hey, you know, we're just gonna, it's not worth it." Yeah, it's not yeah. worth it to do anymore. And from what I heard, too, uh, Freightliners pulling the Columbia. I think 2021 might be the last uh, year of the Columbia, which is that's the end of an era, man. It's, that truck has is. been pretty much unchanged since, for yeah, a long time. Since so the early 90s, right? But same thing with them. So I think it's kind of kind of be that Coronado 132 you know, full fairing, uh, mm-hmm. Coronado, like classic Fitzgerald. I mean, you, you have a factory yeah, one with that, with that yeah. full fairing. So I think that's going to be kind of the chassis of choice. And I think Harrison's going to maybe stick with that Cascadia. Cascadia. Yeah, yeah. The old, ch- the old chassis Cascadia. Yeah. yeah. But so are you familiar with, uh, and that's totally out of my, um, I haven't, um, done any research or know anything about it, but so, cause what I'm hearing is, you know, big guys are getting out of it opportunity for smaller guys right because now the guys that build 10 15 20 100 can also build 200 300 right no it, how, no it was predicated on how many you built you, you, so if you only okay. built 25 they only give you x percentage of what you built previously before that okay restriction came so I, I thought it changed where the smaller guys could now all of a sudden go also up go no. up to, and, okay, and, so and that would have probably saved that industry the yeah, glider yeah, industry yeah. a little bit because you know and what fitzgerald would have done and what everybody else yeah. would have done is opened a new corporation True. under the parent and built and 300, build 300 300 300 300 yeah, it's scale it up. you already you know if you built 25 you can build uh three you yeah, know if yeah. you built seven thousand, they cap you at 300 so yeah. there's only two people that can build 300 that's harrison and fitzgerald yeah. d and b they make great gliders but i you know i think they might only be able to build 50 or so you know yeah. i'm not i'm not exactly sure on the numbers don't uh yeah you know, you don't have to hit us in the comments, but it's yeah, less. Yeah, it's less than they will. built, you know. <laughs> no, but that's interesting because it was pretty much an end of an era, you know. It's like mm-hmm. seriously coming coming to a stop because they're going to ultimately limit the 300 ones, the, the big guys. Too. Yeah, and it's – I'm unsure, and I don't think there's legislation in place, but I don't think anybody really knows when it's just going to be – can't make them no more yeah. at all. Yeah. And, and I, I think maybe even before that happens, I just don't think you're going to be able the, the OEMs aren't going to provide chassis. Exactly. So you're just not going to be able to do it. Then you're going to be only left with uh, restorations and kind of custom builds, yeah. which takes a little longer. But uh, I have, uh, I don't know if I told you, but I had customers wanting to rebuild and refresh the D12s, you know, and, and mm-hmm. older pre-08 trucks. I was like... You know, I don't know if it's worth putting 40k in the truck. Um, I mean, it depends. It depends. It, it's it's yeah. you know for for a fleet, you know, probably not. But probably. for a guy that you know, if you're going to go through and uh, rebush suspension and uh, you know airbags and brake lines and you know do the whole drive line, and yeah, you're going to be 40, 50 grand. Mm-hmm. But you know, what what's never going to end there is you know the the cab's only going to last so long. The wiring inside that yeah. cab is only going to last so long. And, the harness is definitely one of the most uh, the data link issues on those older Volvos. Oh yeah, the, especially the D12. Yeah, yeah, you got that plastic uh, thing on the side. Yeah, with all that wiring in there. I mean, and, great motor. I love that. And motor. if you're gonna start, the motor is the best, and I'm, <laughs> I, everybody knows I'm a fan. But um, you know, it's like uh, you're gonna start messing with the harness, and all of a sudden, crazy things happen, and you can throw away the truck. Well, know? and you're gonna look at 
06s and 07s that people want to refresh that 400 people have been inside that plastic black box with the harness yeah. and you're going to just find this wire to that and you know and, and by this time you know a 20 year old truck the you know 15 year old truck the you know the the uh, markings on the wiring is going to be off. Even with schematics, you're just not going to know what's what. Yeah. And I mean, it could be done. Anything could be can done. Be, anything can be done. Yeah. Right? So if you're willing you know, to put the time and money in it, right? You know, what do you think is a good, good truck? Uh, since we're on that topic, to to re to restore and rebuild, what would be your truck of choice? I mean, you, you know, if you're going to go that route, I mean, it's it's got to be. And I'm I don't sell many Packard products just because the mm -hmm. wholesale price and the retail price are so high. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I think you have to go with those because you know, back to the days when I was a mechanic. I mean, honestly, the, the parts for those trucks are more expensive, fuel tank straps and everything else. But they did have less problems. You know, like a nice Peterbilt 379 W900L, something like that. You know, I mean, those are trucks that are going to be a little more resilient. Um, and, and and some of the older, especially the Peterbilt stuff. Some of the older Kenworth stuff is it's really nice, but. Even in 06, 07, you'll get just different wiring stuff with those where the Peterbilt kind of hung tough a little bit longer yeah. with just power and ground. And, hey, you know, yeah, you can put 50 butt splices in there and you're still yeah. going to be good, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, if, yeah, if I were going to do something or if I was going to do a show truck for I-294, yeah, it would be some kind of like old 379 and, you know, that's the route I'd go. Yeah, yeah. I uh, W900A would be mine, which I'm uh, after the international you saw in the shop. We're, yeah. we're probably gonna uh, do something like that or a cab over, but different topic. <laughs> cab overs are hot now, man. Yeah, you I see know. a lot of them on the road. They're, Nobody, they're really cool. everybody wants them, but it, a lot of people actually grind and drive them for a long time. You know, it's, yeah. It's, well, it's, you're the first one at the accident, as they say, with the cab over, so yeah. they're, they're dangerous. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, uh, do you have any advice to fleets, the small fleets? Because the next thing I'm gonna I want to talk about is owner operators, but the small fleets, the medium sized fleets that could help them during buying process. You know, and we talked. I was I stopped in you know a week or so ago, yeah. and we kind of talked and kind of kind of the way you're rolling, I think, is probably the best thing for them. Um, you know, kind of uniform your fleet, have spare trucks, have part trucks where you can take panels off and yeah. sensors and all that stuff, but. Uh, you know, as far as going in and buying a truck as a small fleet, I mean, know, know your position. Know that, hey, I have buying power. I have the ability to get financed easily. Um, I have that card of, hey, I'm going to buy more trucks from you. And, and just, you know, don't, ex you know, not, maybe exploit is a bad word that, but use your position um, to, to what you've done and become and, and, and use that to your advantage. I mean, I'm always more than happy to work with a guy with 10, 15 trucks because I know, hey, I'm most likely going to sell yeah. this guy four or five trucks in the next, even if it's four or five years, whatever, yeah. you know, I'm going to get some repeat business and treat him right. But, uh, and just, you know, have a guy and, and I think you really know your stuff, but you've also grown into getting the right people involved with you. Mm -hmm. Know what you're hauling, know where you're hauling, know what wheelbase you need, know what gear ratio you need. Specs, yeah. yeah. What, I mean, what are this, uh, age of drivers, what can they drive? Can they drive an 18 speed? No, you know, mm -hmm. most likely. A 13 speed, you're pushing it. Super 10, forget about it. Direct mm -hmm. 10, you're you know, maybe safe, but you know, you're getting a lot of automatic guys. These I shifts and the DT 12s are what people like. And you know, a lot of drivers have auto only uh, CDLs, so which CDLs, is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, you know, exactly. I mean, you should yeah, be able exactly. to drive that's, anything. That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> but, but, but that's the shortage of drivers. Uh, that's, that's the answer to, you know, how let's right, whip right. out more guys that can drive automatics. But, and those are usually the ones that come from big fleets. You know, they, they, they graduate or go through their school and then they have the endorsement on there. Three years later, like, oh, I can only drive automatic. <laughs> right, know? yeah. But 
Good. So owner, let's talk about owner operators because I think uh, that's something that um, you know for me is also that 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 transition from you know fleet owner owner operator to fleet owner is it was was that took a little bit of time and I think it would be valuable to kind of talk about how owners what's your experience with how owners buy trucks and how like what is how is it working with owners and do you think like give me your opinion on uh, are people coming prepared because uh, ultimately the purpose of this for me is to to have uh, uh, owners and drivers that are thinking about buying a truck be more prepared and go right. know what they're doing so what is your experience around that you know and, and that it's a super good question because it's such a mixed bag with you know and, and owners we're talking like a one truck guy or a one or two truck guy kind of a thing like that mm-hmm. a replacement yeah. truck yeah. kind of a guy so you know, we see a little bit of everything, and and honestly, the owner operator puts in a little more work than the fleet guy. Um, most of my fleet customers that we've sold several trucks to, they're kind of, hey, what do you have? I have this, I have that. All right, invoice me, bill me, and ship it down to me. No one comes up, no one looks at it. They they kind of trust us at this point, and I think that's the way they buy a lot of trucks, not only mm-hmm. from us, from yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the owner operator guy is much more likely to, you know have the mechanic come in, bring in a couple buddies, take it to a mechanic, you know, maybe run a dyno, which, you know, we we do enough to them where we're very, com- you know, confident that a truck doesn't need a dyno and, you know, things of that nature. But, you know, if you, if you need it to get the deal done, you get it done. And But, the, yeah, those guys are, some of them are on that plane where they're just really into, hey, I want to look at every little tiny thing, mm-hmm. which is great because you're spending a lot it of money. Is, yeah, yeah. But, you know, the, as we're 50-50 with fleets and owner-operators, I say out of my owner-ops, 50-50, you know, I think some guys aren't as informed. But with the mechanical background and being a family-owned company and being around since the mid-'90s, we don't just say, you don't know what you're doing, get this. Hey, yeah. what are you hauling? Where are you yeah. hauling? How much weight are you hauling? In what regions are you going through mountains? And we'll kind of, if they don't know, hey, this ratio works with that, this trans will be better once I learn how to drive it. If I don't know how to drive it, um, you should really look at a midroof. You know, we'll kind of steer people into that. Um, you know, for the guys that don't know, and uh, we'll kind of run through stuff with them too. And you know, it, it's just it's a case by case thing. At, at our size, you just get all different kinds of all different kinds of guys, all different kinds of preparedness. And uh, but for the most part, the owner operator really has. Most of them really know, hey, I need this, I need that, I'm really looking at this. So it's definitely harder to sell an owner-operator a truck, Um, which is good because they need to be, you know, know, if you're a one-truck guy, you have to have that truck on the road. I mean, that truck's not on the road, Mm -hmm. you know, you're in trouble. So, you know, and and we understand that too. And, you know, we're not out only to make money. Obviously, everybody wants to make money. That's why you're in business. Yeah, of course. But, you know, we do try to take our time with these guys and, you know, even on the financing end, hey, you know, don't put everything you have into your down payment because you're getting, you know, you hit something and blow out three or four tires on one side of your truck. There's, you know, twelve hundred bucks or fifteen hundred bucks, mm-hmm. or you know, you are buying a used truck with a half a million miles, which is low miles. Yeah. You know, we go through them as best as we can, but you know, in in two months your starter goes out or, you know. Uh, something else happens you you always need to have backup money so, so what would you suggest to... what would you suggest to an owner because you just said something very important but what would you suggest to like how to buy a truck as an owner because obviously don't put all your down payment money right well we obviously we, we go with that and you know i'm not gonna not sell somebody a truck but we're gonna tell them hey we don't recommend you do that and and what we mm-hmm. kind of always tell people is hey you are now a business owner 
especially for yeah. these first time guys yeah. are the one who you're treated you, like, like yeah. it is a business. Right. And they you want. need to put, you need to pay your truck. You know, it's my dad's always mm-hmm. been big on that, you know, yeah. 50 years in the business or whatever it is. Pay your truck, pay your truck 30%. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the year, Hey, you don't use that. Give yourself a nice little bonus, but keep, keep substantial money on the side. So you're not using credit cards. You're not taking out loans or you're in the middle of Idaho and your truck breaks down and you know, you don't know the shop that gives you credit there have them funds available and ready because you know you never know what's going to happen and, and worst case scenario is you give yourself a nice bonus buy the kids an extra bicycle or exactly something at christmas right. time yeah. but we always kind of tell we always kind of steer people into that direction we're not perfect we don't know everything we don't run a trucking company but i think we're a little more apt to give like one truck guys a little bit of advice yeah well no, that's that's exactly what it, what my dad also uh, told me and and i think maybe they had the same conversation as uh, we are, have right now <laughs> probably yeah. the thing is um uh, how i always preach um to to build that nest and that uh, uh you know escrow for your truck to get it fixed and then treat yourself if you can the mm. the the number one what i've been seeing uh with owners is they're they're tapped out on everything and then they want to push with their truck and that's when usually trouble starts to uh, show up because now they're running a truck that is overdue on maintenance, has a lot right. of issues, and now they're trying to make money catch up. Yeah. Uh, so I always, I always tell my guys, it's like it's always, it's always, it's not what you make, it's what you keep, right? So mm. if you're if you're keeping, if you're making a decent income, and you can say, okay, I'll I'll, I'll build up that nest and do let's say 30, 40 percent for maintenance, and then once I'm at a point, let's say 10, 15 grand, right you now can I can I can start taking more, yeah. right? But and and I see, I see that uh, out of everything, especially with the shop, yeah, is that's what's what's what I what I don't see a lot, right? right. Like people are just spending everything they get, and then. I don't have anything to to pay you with. I'm like, well, you know. Well, sucks, and, but. well and, and in the same kind of in that realm with the gliders, you know, that's when we're trying to explain to people, people come in, don't know what they are. And we're like, well, you know, the turbo on this is 800 bucks from Detroit. Turbo on an ISX is six grand. Yeah. You know, and we're trying to show them, all right, you're going to put this money up front, but you're going to save it in the wrong way. And that kind of plays into the, you know, kind of budget yourself, pay your truck. But all the way full circle back to what what these guys are looking for when they come in. Just mm-hmm. know what you're looking for. Know what you're buying. Be it a DPF truck, an ISX, a DB15, the old 12.7, whatever it is. Just you have mm-hmm. to know what you're you have to know what you're buying. Mm-hmm. You have to know that animal inside yeah. that truck. Do you feel like uh, uh, owners and customers are they understand specs and they buy the right trucks for the operation they're trying to to do well i'm not laughing because i'm laughing at anybody because i laugh at some guys come in and think they know specs and i need this and i need this and i need this and you ask them what they're doing and you're like man that you don't need any of that yeah and then you have people that come in and they have no idea what a rear end axle ratio is and they have you know you tell them, oh, this is a super 10. They've never heard of it. But it's okay. It's a manual 10. I'll drive it. It's like, whoa, don't wait. They think it's super that right. never breaks yeah, down. Yeah, it's just, it's just <laughs> super <laughs> duper. Yeah. It's super. It never breaks <laughs> down. <laughs> so, you know, and, and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll take them through. Hey, this is how you drive it. So, you know, it, it's such a 180 business, you know, yeah. and, and that, you know, you, sometimes, very rarely you get the, the perfect customer that just really knows. And, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's hard to say. And, you know, we feel the responsibility to kind of help people with that stuff. But, you know, it, yeah, it's just you get a lot of guys in there. This, this, that, I know this. And it's, you know, hey, God bless them. And, 
you know and then you get a lot of people that you really have to hey look at this look at that this this is what you need this yeah. is what you should do and i mean i've sent you know probably almost as many people away because they we don't have something that they they're looking need for. or they they should run you know to you know the last thing you want to do is just you know put someone in something that's not going to make them money something that they don't need overkill underkill whatever it may be um because i've had plenty of people come back years later hey you guys were just so upfront and honest mm -hmm. i bought this other truck i'm done with this other truck i want to buy a truck from you guys now what do you have let's work together tell me what you have that's going to work for what i'm doing so you know it's for our size there's not enough people to only sell them one truck you know what i mean mm -hmm. or sell them a truck and just hey whatever is whatever you know you want repeat business you need word of mouth word of mouth is the best advertising so yeah. Yeah. you know that's kind of the way we go about it, it is and then the deeper relationship based on trust where you know it's like you know some people won't get it but but there there are a few people that will actually respect the fact that you're helping them and 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 providing you know a lot more information than what you really should because yeah a lot of dealers dealers or shops will say hey you know we'll do whatever you want right it's a customer if you, if you want a new one box i'll do a new one box for you but no maybe it's actually something else that we can help you out with. but <laughs> my thing is it's like uh you know even what so what's what if you have a wrong what if you bought the wrong truck right because i've seen i've seen on the shop side you probably have seen that too in the past uh, or even now like owner comes in and we do um we look at his truck and we do thorough checkup and then all of a sudden it's like like wow i'll like if he asks me for my opinion i like, i would think about selling it mm. When they hear that, it's like, oh, it's going to suck yeah. because I still have payments on it. I have right. to figure out how to pay it back. Yeah. Right. But how do you now? So 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 what would you suggest like somebody? Because obviously when you're providing a lot of help for for potential buyers and owners, you know, you want to steer them the direction. If they know, they know and if they're stubborn. That's fine. I'll, right. I'll go with whatever you want. But if somebody comes to you and like, hey, um, I do have a truck that I want to sell. Uh, what would be your suggestion or like what would you uh, tell them to do? Um, is there anything that you think is like, you know, like how do we get out of a bad purchase or a bad truck? You know, you know, it's, is it even possible? No. Yeah. Uh, because it's like everything else. There's just peaks and valleys in the price, the retail price and the wholesale price of trucks. And outside of some real hot spec trucks right now, uh, the used truck pricing is still very low. So yeah. we run into that a lot now with guys that, you know, maybe bought a era of Cascadia or something like that. Mm -hmm. And. Well, now I want to trade it in for a glider. Well, what do you got? I have a you know 2015 Cascadia, DD15, 10 speed. It's got 700,000 miles, and it's like, well, you know, I mean, hey, I mean, the auction trade-in number on that's you know, 14, 15 thousand dollars. Well, I owe 30. Can you give me 30? Yeah. Well, no. You know, I mean, I'm gonna sell yeah. it for maybe 20. You know, after I recondition it and you know do stuff like that. So, really, there, you know, that's why back to preparedness. You have to know what you need when you buy because it's a big purchase. You're not just going to buy you know, a matchbox car or something like that. You're buying something that's going to make you your money. Yeah. Uh, we're, uh, I got more questions and um, I think we're going to turn it into, we're going to take a little break. I think I want to do it part two, uh, which we're going to continue. So no uh, rapid fire, no, no rapid fire. We're going to do rapid fire. I got more questions for you. So we're going to come back. We're going to take a little break and we're going to come back. So uh, talk to you soon. Thank you guys for tuning in. This was part one to our interview with Paul. Look out for part number two coming up next Friday. 
Thank you for listening. Subscribe, share, and we'll talk to you soon.